Hello and welcome to System Mastery, Adventure Edition. It's a lot like regular System Mastery, but we removed Charisma as a skill. Not like we ever actually had it anyway. Anyhow, that's right, it's Savage Worlds today. A relatively modern game? Is this new ween? Are we definitely changing formats forever and disappointing our legion of fans? Skeleton theorists say yes on today's episode of System Master. started today, I think we should do an announcement mastery. I also think that, because we were paid to. Mm -hmm, that's right. It's not just because I think it's a good time or anything, it's because money changed hands. That's right. Yeah. Well, money never touched anyone's hands. This is the digital age. Yeah, it's, it's all digital money. It was all cryptocurrency and bit, <laughs> that's right. bit chips. We were given 13 Lyriaf, and we uh -huh. could use that to buy a picture of a dolphin. Yep, I, I traded six pictures of Elon Musk drawn as a gorilla smoking a cigar in exchange for the following missive. <laughs> They're sure to go up in value any day now. Any as soon day as now. Papa Elon notices me. Tweet about it, please. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. What are we doing? Well, we have a very special announcement mastery, and that's because nobody's selling anything. Instead, people are celebrating something, which I love. Mazel tov! Hooray! Yay, that's great. What are we celebrating? Let's see. It's an anniversary. Oh, an anniversary. How sweet. Yes. This goes out to M. Doherty. M. Doherty, which is not spelled Doherty, but is pronounced Doherty for, as I understand it, stupid reasons. Well, you know, it's, uh... It's all that that Irish nonsense. Oh, it's okay. It's some of that. It. I, I, I'm sorry. I stopped reading it stupid, and now I see nun-related additionally. So yeah, it's definitely some sort of Catholic thing. Yeah. It's a little of that Catholic. A little doctrine. Irish Catholic mm -hmm. in you. Yeah. Uh, at one point. For I see that these are some folks who have changed a lot about themselves over the course of their 17 years of dating and 10 years of marriage. I mean, absolutely amazing. Being together for that long, mm -hmm. the two of them absolutely love to see it. Uh, you know, Don't M like has been DMing f since they got a AD&D &D box set from second grade. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing and ridiculous. That's great. Yeah, that's that's how I got started, too. It was way, way back. Just <laughs> yeah, I, I stole their box set when I they did. were in I, second I, grade. Yeah, I did. I, I did. Because uh, Probably because I'm going to go ahead and guess I'm much, much older than, than anybody who ever, has ever listened to us. Probably. And, and as a result, I could have because they would have been small children and I would have simply been a big, mean person. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me that. Hey, I want to learn D&D. Uh. <laughs> no, I just... I just started from buying books in used stores because they were a lot cheaper that way. I got a bunch of first edition stuff for quarters. Hey, that's great. Yeah. This isn't about you. This is. I'm centering it on me. <laughs> I was paid to talk about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I traded six of my gorilla lawns. <laughs> you finally got a name for it. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we got M. Doherty, who has recently got back into, uh, gotten back into Warhammer, uh, which is... Which is great. I hear I hear they're rescuing a lot of space marines. That's disappointing. Pick a good faction. But it's still wonderful that you're out there refurbishing old space marines. They need that help. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Just 
Uh, you know, you're you're a bad faction picker too. I I don't I don't we, I don't know. What are you we... talking about? I play evil guys. <laughs> yeah, but just evil versions of the good guys. That's like being an Akuma main. <laughs> yeah, Akuma rules. <laughs> no health bar. Oh, uh, different nationalities, genders, and religions than how than when they first got together. That is a wild ride. Yeah, apparently. Uh, M has managed to escape Connecticut and academia and masculinity. Couldn't be more proud of them. That's amazing. That's a lot of big escapes. Hard ones to do in some cases. I've oh, heard yeah. You is... can't get out of Connecticut. Yeah, I've heard they have a big electric fence. <laughs> They'll get the hooks in you. <laughs> Connecticut, we'll send dogs. <laughs> Connecticut, we've got the hooks. <laughs> the number one employer of Dog the Bounty Hunter since 1988. <laughs> You're coming back to Connecticut. Connecticut. Jesus wept. <laughs> back to Connecticut is like my least favorite rancid song, too. <laughs> I'm going, going back, back to Connecticut, Connecticut. <laughs> That's why it's my least favorite. It sounds so much like another band. Uh, but yeah, I I love that this goes out to you. I am so glad that both of you have had a wonderful time together. Ups and downs, lots of trials and tribulations, but... The fact that you are still together and especially still giving us money is all that really matters. <laughs> That's right. We charge by the minute for these. <laughs> I need your parents. so much money. <laughs> But seriously, yes, congratulations. That's 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 wonderful. We're very happy to read about this. I love to see all just just in these these quick broad strokes that they provided with us. So much growth as people as they as they discovered the System Mastery podcast and learned all about that. That's that's such a big step. It's it's a big step when you can finally realize that the the world that you've been living in isn't the one you want to be in yeah. and instead you want to be in a world that has System Mastery that's in right. it. That's right. So so you know that that's just amazing. I hope I hope you manage to continue to have so many awesome adventures together. That that too. So to uh, to M Doherty and I believe we had the uh, Joanna Joanna. Just congratulations. I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. There's there's a uh, yeah yeah. I'm uh, sure you do. I'm just being very careful. Just so careful. Uh-huh. That's what I always am. Everyone knows I never just open my mouth and say whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're never just spilling constant verbal diarrhea. That's <laughs> never what happens on this show. Keep on listening to obscure metal and enjoying the weirdest role-playing games. And again, congratulations. But let's move on to the show. Okay, now, John, before we get started, I think we should do an a, a detailed and uh, very uh, careful uh, examination of Savage Worlds, the role-playing game. Uh-huh. You think we can do that? Have a, have a discussion regarding that before we really get started today. Before we get started. Yeah. Let's talk about an RPG. Let's talk about an RPG. Let's have a long discussion, and we all we should also probably see how each other are doing, discuss events of the day. But you know, before we can really get into to the meat of what we do here, I think we should also discuss the Savage Worlds role-playing game. <laughs> Indeed. Before we discuss it, let's discuss it. <laughs> no, what we get into here, uh, you know, no, what we normally get into is is uh, pitches for our own books. <laughs> normally buy, what bu- we get into... Buy our books. What we do here is an extended commercial for our various things. Yes. <laughs> We're like Alex Jones at this point. <laughs> exactly like Alex Jones in all ways. Yep. We're just horse shit that sucks and then ads for pills. Uh-huh. That's it's, us. It's the worst. Outrage merchants. I forgot my kid's name because I ate a bowl of chili. <laughs> I'm Alex Jones. Making out with a goblin. 
That's right. Mm -hmm. We're in the goblin nest now, listeners. <laughs> That's correct. I've been taking so many supplements that you can see I really lost weight or turned red. I don't know. It's one of the two. <laughs> I'm definitely turning into a frog. <laughs> Keep me away from the local water. <laughs> I heard it makes the freaking frogs... Interesting. Mm. Shit, it's happening. Oh, no. All right. Well, that's about enough of that. Uh, we're going to be discussing Savage Worlds today. Uh, we I only have one edition of it because I have Savage Worlds from having purchased it as part of a Kickstarter for something else in Savage Worlds. Indeed. But we figured rather than going right to that, we would start by just discussing the game itself. And there is quite a bit to talk about. It's, it's, a, uh, it's your classic do-anything game, but a modern take on one of those. Yeah. There are a lot of, you know, in the same vein of your GURPSes and so on, mm -hmm. a lot of modular things that you can put in there to sort of do whatever, but they definitely, like you were saying, have a much more modern take on it as far as like, oh, instead of having 175 skills to cover po any possibility of anything, they're like, no, dude, you have science and fighting and... <laughs> noticing things you don't need 27 different skills for each version of this yeah and if whatever you world you're in use that and i appreciate part of that as well because in, they do have a section right after that and they do this for almost everything in the book is but what if you do need a skill for specifically crossword puzzles because you're playing like a will shorts themed role-playing game or something <laughs> then uh then just add that skill it's fine just do that if, you, if your campaign specifically requires it just go ahead and do that yeah Instead of trying to anticipate everything that any player may ever possibly try to do with their engine. And which... that was the other thing as well is Savage Worlds has a lot of, you know, the campaign setting books. And they're like, look, if you want to play in whatever setting, go do that. This book is for a very generic level of playing whatever type of setting you want to. But if you have a specific thing you are looking for. Get that, and then you can change the rules based on that. Yeah, or you can just do all of that yourself as well. If you wanted to play in a sci-fi game, fine. You're, here's bolt-on rules for space vehicles, and go ahead and add a couple of, of skills that relate to plasma field manipulation or whatever the hell. Just just here's how you do that. Here's the tools to use these tools, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's neat. We A lot of these books that we've read, you know, like your master book system or what have you, will instead be like, in an attempt to recognize that this is a huge possible uh, string of things you could use this to play we've included 286 skills and several of them do overlap yes yeah i appreciate the fact that they were like nope here's a generic list of things that's widely applicable to whatever you're doing and as well they also have just a wide range of rules that you can slot in if you want to where they're like Look, if you want people to feel more heroic, you can just give them more abilities. If you want people to be more, like, magically powerful, just give them this. If you want them to be more gritty and realistic in how they take damage, here's a rule for that. But there's just a section in the book of just, like, here's a couple dozen slot-in rules mm -hmm. if you want to put any of them in there. Because the base they give you is just, like, here's a generic game you can play. And if you want to slot in anything, you can slot in anything. But we're not going to assume you need that baseline. Yeah, yeah. There are certain assumptions that are made about the game world here. Um, one of them is that you should be playing as big damn heroes. And we'll discuss how it, how it is that they managed to accomplish that. 
uh, as we get into to how the game is actually played. But before we do that, as always, we should probably start with, hey, John, how you doing? I'm fine. Okay, great. Now, moving on, there are five kind of attributes in this game. Yeah. So you have agility, smarts, spirit, strength, and vigor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a uh, dice-increasing system. So rather than having a numeric value of saying like, ooh, I've got a 17 strength or something, you go from a D4 up to a D12. Yeah, like your, uh, like your kids on bikes. Yeah, you are very much just deciding how good you are based on what die you are going to roll for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go above D12, normally, not allowed, but there will be certain things like if your whatever species you're playing has some capability or... You know, if you're in like a supers game, and you're like, oh yeah, obviously I can get higher than a D12 strength. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then for every step you would go above that, instead of saying like, oh, I go from D12 to D20, you just get a D12 plus one, a yeah. D12 plus two, and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, stats in this game, or I think they're just called attributes, are very similar to skills in terms of what they do. Uh, skills also work by you just getting dice in those skills and them going up, up to about D12, and then they had to start adding plus ones to them. Yeah, most of the time, your attributes are not going to be rolled. Usually, you'll be rolling skills if you're rolling stuff. That's correct. Attributes are mostly there as gateways. sort of gateway things. Yeah. So, like, certain edges, which is the advantages that this has. Mm-hmm. Uh, will be locked behind like, oh, you need to have at least like a D8 in spirit to get this. It also controls the uh, cost of purchasing skills because when you are purchasing dice and skills, they are cheaper if you are under or equal to your current rank in the re- uh, the related attribute. Yeah, so if you have you know a knowledge skill that's based on smarts and you've got a D6 in it, then you can buy up to D6 and that's just a one-point cost. Yeah. If you want to go higher than whatever stat the skill is based on, it doubles to two points per. Yeah, you can do it, though, if you have a reason for why you would want to be, like, just say, for example, if you want to be incredibly specialized in one aspect of one of the things. If you're like, oh, I'm going to buy very heavily into knowing a lot about computers, but my character is otherwise not especially intelligent. I just really want them to be some sort of natural gifted hacker, and that's it. Oh, yeah. You can build that. You know, if you want to be like, oh, I'm not very agile i'm kind of clumsy but i'm an amazing sharpshooter you can be like great i'll just buy up my shooting skill keep my agility fairly low and have that be a thing yes so what you do roll is these uh skill dice uh along with one other thing that you will always roll for just about every roll you're going to make in this game which is called the wild die and this is one of the things that separates you from the rest of the people in the world uh when if you're a, a big hero of any description whether it's a player character or a relevant villain or, or NPC, then whenever you roll your skill die, you will also roll a D6. Yes. And that's called your wild die, and that's going to interact with the game in a variety of ways. You'll also, you, First of all, you'll just take whichever roll is higher anytime you roll them, and note that these are all exploding dice. Yeah, now, in order to get a success on a baseline roll for anything, you're looking for a 4 or better. Yes, so if you have a D6 in strength, you have a 50% chance. Yes. But because you have the wild die... You have two D- two fifty percent chances, which I think comes out 75% to seventy five percent chance. Yes, that's yeah. a nice easy one. It's nice. It what it means is because if you are a wild card, which is what this game calls anyone that's an actual you know character, because there are wild cards and there are extras. Yes. So if you're a wild card, you get this wild die, 
And it makes it so that you've got a much better chance of getting anything accomplished, but you also also aren't rolling handfuls of dice for things. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, if I've got, you know, a D6 in something and the D6, I got a 75% chance. That's great. Yeah. And it means you also don't have to feel compelled to be like super invested in something. So if you want to be like, you know, let's take the marksman again. If you're sure. if you want to be great at shooting. Yeah. When you go from a D4 to a D6, that's huge. That's like a 13% jump in how often you succeed from a D4 to a D6. Yes. Going from a D6 to a D8 is like a 6% jump. It's not as big, no. And then it keeps getting smaller from there. So like D8 to D10 gives you 3% extra chance to succeed and so on. So that you don't have to feel like, oh shit, if I want to be good at this, I have to get like a D12 in it. Like, no man, if you get... Especially to a D8, going above that is mostly just like, oh, did you desperately need it for a sk- an edge? An like edge if, if or you, something? Yeah, if you really needed it for an unlock, that's why you're generally going above a D8. Although so even is- then, most of them have D8 as their unlock yes. gateway. I mean, the other reason you're going up that high is to account for penalties or any other thing that imposes a, a, a negative to your die roll, Yeah, which can, which can happen. And when it does, it applies to all the dice you're rolling for any reason. So, for example, if you're just... I, I, distracted, I believe, is one of the the effects that can occur to a character in game that applies a minus two to all of their rolls until they are no longer distracted. Yes. Then moving from a D eight to a D ten makes perfect sense because it brings you right back to where that D eight had been. You're back to your baseline competency you wanted to be at. It's uh, it's interesting, and like you said, all of the dice in this game are exploding dice. Mm-hmm. If you roll the the top number on the die, you add that value to another roll of the die, and it continues going like that. Yep. Uh, and you know, that might seem a little goofy when you're like, oh, but all I need is a four. Any die that explodes, I would have already automatically succeeded. But this does have a raise system where for every four points you beat the target number by, yeah. you get a raise. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times, even if you got like four raises, if you just rolled ridiculously well, most of the time it's like, oh, you get one thing out of it. You're going to get a raise's worth. Yeah, a lot But of, there are some that have out, yeah. outside, like, if you have two raises or three raises. Yeah, sometimes it'll work by giving you multiple options. Like, for if you get a raise, you can choose this. If you get a second raise, you can choose that. There's a list, basically just like a PBTA, choose one of the following type things. And then other times there will be things where each raise increases the numeric value of your, your uh, thing by a little bit. So there are different ways that multiple raises can help, but yeah, and there are some that are like, this requires you to have two raises in order to use. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, all dice are exploding. This has an interesting effect that makes it so that uh, lower dice have a higher chance of of, of uh, producing the the rate or the crit result. The the explosive d like a d four has a twenty five percent chance to produce a four and then get another roll, where a d six only has like an eighteen point three percent repeating chance. That said, that's counterbalanced by the fact that this game ones matter. Yes. If you roll a one on both of your dice, then you have critically failed. Now, the game has bennies that you can spend, Mm -hmm. and they let you re-roll, but if you crit fail at any point in time, even on a re-roll, you immediately stop and have failed. Yes, you can't get out of a crit roll. Yeah, so if you're like, oh, I have, you know, 2d6 and I rolled a two and a three, I'm not going to succeed... I'll spend a Benny, re-roll. If you roll two ones on that, they're like, great, stop. You can't re-roll anymore. You failed. Yeah. 
So so that's uh it, that's always a risk if you if you take any excuse to re-roll your dice, then there's always this chance that you're making rolling into a critical failure. Uh, it's another reason why you might want to consider increasing your die size because it reduces the percentage chance of that of uh, your critical fails. Exactly. Uh, but the bennies can also be used for a variety of other things. This game is supposed to have a free-flowing economy of uh, bennies, which are, I believe the game primarily uses poker chips as these. The whole, the whole game kind of has a poker sub-theme going on. They, they, they try to work in cards whenever possible. They use them for both initiative score mechanics and also for, like, vehicle chase stuff. Oh, any and, chase. And foot chase, yeah. yeah. I was going to say any chase. So, uh, so they get used for those things where bennies are supposed to be poker chips. I only know that because I have a big old Riffs box set with a bunch of Riffs poker chips. Yeah, I mean, I assume it's because probably one of the first uh, settings that they had was Deadlands. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or it could just be that they were into that. Maybe they wrote this as part of writing Deadlands in the first place and then split it off later. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so you get three bennies to start, you uh-huh. know, unless you're lucky or unlucky. Every game session, you start with three. And you'll get them... The game basically wants you to be like, you should be spending these fairly regularly, and the GM should be handing them out. Anytime you do anything interesting, whether it's like, oh, I do a cool moment, or I play to some hindrance I have. Yeah. Because a lot of the hindrances in here are not mechanical and no. are just, you have a role play problem. Yes, and but... That means you have a chance to get more bennies out of them if you are willing. It basically puts a lot of trust in the players. Yes. Is what it's doing. I mean, I get that we are routinely down on that kind of thing. Like when we're talking Buffy RPG and it's like, class clown, you always have to try to make a joke about things. And it's like, well, that's nothing and it doesn't do anything. But here there's a mechanical reward for involving yourself with your hindrance. And in order to get that reward, you have to voluntarily accept some form of penalty at the GM's discretion. And the other thing is, this game has a hard limit on you can get four points from hindrances. You can have as many hindrances as you want, yeah. but you're only going to get four points out of it. And what it really means for that is you're like, oh, that's fine. If I've got one that's just a role-playing hindrance, I don't have to feel like, oh, I'm gaming the system for more points. You're like, no, everyone's going to have four points. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Every character has that. It's just how do you want to get there? Exactly. Uh, the hindrances, if you're playing a, a super basic character, are supposed to be the primary way that you get access to the, the opposite of them, edges. Mm-hmm. Uh, because any basic character doesn't start with any points, but hindrance, but edges cost points, so you get them by going through the edges. That said, if you're playing as a human, um, a human gets a free starting edge. Yeah, baseline... If you're not playing with, you know, a lot of weird species, then generally they're like, yeah, you should get one edge for free. Yeah, because it helps define your character. The edges are all things that, um, I mean, for the most part, I believe they are all mechanically advantageous in one way or another. And uh, and so they do provide mechanical benefits, but they also help kind of define your character. Because this is definitely a game where a starting character is really a starting character. You don't start with much. No, you're... Starting stats are all D4s, and you get five points to put in them. Each point goes up by one step. Mm -hmm. There are five stats, which means you can have a D6 in everything, or, you know, maybe have a D4 and bump something to a D8. But you are not, as a starting character, particularly amazing. Yeah, so that benefit of an edge can actually be a big, big help. Yeah. And the edges are kind of the meat and potatoes of this game. There are lots and lots and lots of them, but 
what makes this acceptable to me. And this is, I'm going to, I'll admit, this is a small thing. But if you're John and I, if, if in our weird, unique situation, the fact that everything in this book has a very nicely formatted list at the beginning or end of each chapter that God. gives you the rundown and short form explanations of what they do and what page they're on and everything in nice alphabetical order. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how that simple thing gets so much goodwill out of the two of us. Oh yeah. After reading that poser art superhero game heroic where, visions yeah where it was just like here's a ton of stuff there's no list for anything you can't look up whatever if you want to look at one of our hundred and something skills just flip through the book until you find it i'm like jesus fuck having a page that's like hey here's a skill summary page oh thank you god oh <laughs> oh thank you and they do it everywhere the edges are divided up into a variety of ex uh, types as well you have background edges that define sort of where you came from, and that they, they do still give you full mechanical benefits of some kind. You you have uh, combat edges, combat leadership edges, which uh, which take over control how you control allies in this game. This game actually has a pretty solid model for how to mo uh, how to control uh, NPCs. Yeah, that I appreciate. If you have combat NPCs in the game, some player is running them, so that your players don't get bored while you're sitting there running through fifty army guys or whatever the heck it is you're doing. You put every one of them into the hands of some player. Ah. Uh. And if they're a, a uh, an extra who already worked, they're called extras, by the way. If uh, you put them in the hands of someone who they are working for for some reason, then their leadership edges will kick into gear and make them better. Yeah. You got weird edges. You got some professional edges in case you want to be like, ah, oh, this is my job. Yeah. You got social edges. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole bunch of different ways to change your character to be whatever. But again, you're going to get you know, assuming you are, let's just say, assuming baseline human, uh -huh. one for free, and each edge then costs two points if you want to buy it with your hindrance points, which means at most you're getting three Yes, to start with. And there are a lot, but a lot of them are gatekept out of your hands by, by all kinds of things, whether it's stat requirements or just a simple power level requirement, similar to 4th edition's, 4th uh, edition D&D's old uh, three scales of play. This has novice, uh, seasoned, and veteran, I think they're and called. And heroic and legendary. Oh. So there are ranks depending on how many advances you've had. Yes. So an advance is basically at the end of, say, a session, or if you're playing like a very long campaign, maybe every couple of sessions, you get an advance. Mm -hmm. And an advance can be either you get a new edge you increase a skill past whatever, like, the normal rate, so past wherever your attribute is, or two skills if they're below the attribute, or an attribute die, yeah, or remove a hindrance if you want to. Yes, there's all different ways to advance. But the first uh, three that you get, you are still considered a novice rank. Yeah. Uh, after your fourth advance, you get to be seasoned and so on. And so there are certain edges that are like, you don't get these unless you are a certain rank. Now, yeah. of course, because I had mentioned before that this is a game with a ton of rules that you can slot in, one yeah. is just ignore that, let people pick whatever the fuck they want. Yes, if you want to play in a high fantasy suit or, or, or high-powered campaign yeah. for any reason, then uh, you can make that one of the early changes you make. Yeah, if you're just like, no, it doesn't matter, we want to let people take whatever the fuck they want because we think it'd be super neat if you were able to be you know, 
famous is one of them because you can have famous at novice and famous at seasoned yeah but if you're like no i want to start this game and we're playing fucking josie and the pussycats and i want to just have a super famous band and we go around and solve crimes fuck it go for it yeah. who cares I mean, granted you still have to buy both because i believe fame is a prerequisite for famous but yep. but uh if you want to spend two of your potentially three starting edges on being famous then yeah you can get away with it yeah why wouldn't you You'd be like, sure, I've got fame, famous, and also, I don't know, one of the other ones. The two-gun kid. <laughs> I believe that requires a bunch of other stuff yes. as well. I was just picking any any edge I could think of off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a neat system. If there was one complaint about it, it would be that there are so many edges that it does feel kind of bad to be like, hey, man, here's just pages and pages of cool shit. You can have two. And you're yeah. like, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, you can start a higher level character if you want. But yeah, you can you start with generally anywhere between one and three, and that's it. And it does feel like you're missing out on a lot, especially when you think about things like background edges being one of them. You're like, well, my character should have a background. They're from somewhere. Well, but- yeah, but those are all usually just like not background like you're from this place, but rather you're large, you're yeah. ambidextrous. You're magic. They're, they're things like that. They're, they're, they explain, they unlock aspects of the game in other ways to you. Yeah. Uh. I, I would. There are a couple of specific edges I found had small, very minor problems to them. Uh, for example, I, I thought linguist, which is just like, oh, you speak half your smarts die in extra languages because you have a knack for picking up languages. And I was like, well, if I have a knack for picking up languages, this should really give me some kind of benefit going forward and not just some bonus languages. Like if I encounter a foreign one, I would like that to do more than just be like, well, I speak French, Russian, and Italian. But yeah. there, that said, there's an optional rule at the back of the book that adds that to it. I, I don't know why they didn't make that baseline. Yeah, no, they they were like, if you want it to be gritty and realistic, they're like, yeah, you know the languages you know, and encountering someone that has a language that you don't know is bad for you. Yeah. But they're like, oh, if you just want it to be a fun sci-fi thing where, like, your dude just walks up and you're like, yeah, I speak some Martian, then great, whatever. Everyone gets linguist. But if you pick linguist, you get even more languages that you know, and also you can basically speak whatever haltingly. Yeah, I mean, you can do that whole thing where you're like, oh, this is very similar to old high tramic or whatever. I, I, I think I'm picking up some some key verb structures in there, that that sort of thing. Yeah. The other one, uh, Soldier was an example. It was a professional edge. There's nothing really wrong with it. It does a neat effect. It's, it's basically... As a soldier, you're trained at, at hauling lo- large amounts of stuff over heavy distances and working with gear designed for soldiers. Mm-hmm. So if something has a gear size requirement or strength die requirement, you treat your strength and size as one higher for the purpose of operating those items. And also you get a bonus to resisting environmental hazards when you have to trek through muck or whatever, right? Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Good soldier thing. But it says, for whatever reason, it's like, by the way, in order to hit, access these benefits, you need to walk around with this equipment until you're used to it. GM's discretion as to how long that is. And I'm like, why? That's not that much more powerful than any effect around it. Just have that work immediately. Why Why did you suddenly have realism come in and gatekeep, which is otherwise what is otherwise a pretty fun ability, very similar to the rest of them right nearby? Yeah, it's, it's very weird because there are a couple things in here that are like, oh, soldier, or there's one where it's like, you're good at like bodybuilding and weightlifting or whatever. And they're like, you need to keep training though. Be sure that you train according to the GM. But I'm like, if I take the ACE edge, cause I'm a cool pilot, there's nothing in there that says, well, if you spend three weeks and don't fly an airplane, you'll lose this. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's just these occasional little asides that 
I feel like if they had streamlined them a little bit more, that would have been uh, useful. Yeah, it's just, it's odd because it's only in a couple of them and nowhere yes, else. Exactly. So it sticks out. Yeah, we, we, we call that out in other games too, but here they're, they're relatively minor. Like GM discretion is good. If, if the GM agrees with us, they're going to be like, yeah, that who my, gives a my fuck? discretion is who gives a fuck. You can use that ability. If it's super important that your character can walk around with a 50 cal because he's a soldier, great. Go ahead. Yeah. I I don't need you to go, hey, just adventures? so you know, during downtime, I fucking walk around a bunch with some shit, yeah. and then I hope I get to keep my thing I paid for. Yeah. But you're right. It's absolutely weird that they they mention in a couple of them, like, you got to keep, you got to use it or lose it on this one, but not like, for example, sharpshooting. Yeah. If I'm like, ooh, I can get tactician and be real good at leading groups of like extras in battles, but I, there's nothing in there that's like, well, you better study your Sun Tzu or yeah. whatever the fuck, or you'll lose it. The hacking one is the same way, where you're like, well, shouldn't I have to stay on top of current trends in, in computer development nah. and security measures? <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Mr. Bodybuilder over here, who has to constantly work to maintain it. But, that you know, ultimately, those are fairly minor quibbles. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, because they do a lot of this is, dude, figure it out with your GM. Because, again, so much of this is just slot into your game as required. Yeah. There's a lot of things in this that's like, hey, man, here's like 20 pages of possible rules. GM will figure out if they like this or not. Yeah. And yeah. in the same way, they're just like, hey, man, if it makes sense for your GM to be angry about whatever, then he can do that thing. But that's up to your GM. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's minor uh, there from there after skills. I think you move into basically discussing how to play the game. We already mentioned. I mean, I do want to please go mention ahead. the derived statistics that you get. How dare you? No, uh, too bad. Don't listen so, to this. Everyone turn off your, your podcast now. Everyone turn off your podcasts. Save I, yourself. I want you to get mad. Look to the sky. <laughs> uh, Look to blue sky. We're there now. <laughs> We're system master on Blue Sky. We have one follower, and it's James Wallace. <laughs> we, have, we have two yeah, followers. We have two followers. But, but weirdly, our second follower ever was James Wallace, like the author of The Adventures of Baron Munchausen role-playing game. Yep. And a bunch of other stuff. But it's always hard for me to remember what it is besides that. <laughs> I know he wrote, like, I think Bluebeard's Bride is him. Who knows? I do. I, I think that's right. I don't. I don't know anything. Also, he apparently is also published by Simon & Schuster, because I spent the weekend sitting behind one of his books uh, on, our, on our table. <laughs> Uh, so a couple things you do get, uh, there are five core skills that you start with a D4 in for free. Mm -hmm. So athletics, common knowledge, notice, persuasion, and stealth, you just get a D4 in. So that's nice. They're like, yeah, everybody can do this. It's fine. Okay. Uh, you also have, as I mentioned, the derived statistics, you have a standard pace, which is how far you move, which is baseline six inches because this game uses, like, inch tabletop measurement. Yeah, it's like war game style measurement, where you, you don't really... I don't believe you have really facing or anything like that. But, no. But instead, you just are supposed to put your miniatures down on a map and move them around using a measuring tape like you're playing 40K. Yes. Uh, but there, it's also designed around being like, oh, you can totally run this theater of the mind, or you can use squares or hexes or whatever. Just, it's fine. We include basic conversion charts for all of those. If, if the game that you're using, we'll use those instead. And interesting, it also has, for your running ability, you're like, oh, you can move six inches normally maximum if you run, 
it's a D6 more inches. And I was like, oh, you just took the running thing from Warhammer 40K. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And they're like, well, yeah, Warhammer it's just 40K some edition. I forget when they changed it to your move speed plus a D6 because it was it was after I left. <laughs> no, nah, man, that I'm was old. while we were playing. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I remember all my gene stealers being like, oh, if they run, they just go fucking 12. Fuck you. Oh, no. It was if you go through terrain, you have to run. Ah, okay, fair. Uh, you also have a parry score, mm-hmm. uh, which is two plus half of whatever your fighting die is. And whenever they talk about half of a die, it's whatever the maximum value is. So if you have a D6, it's three. Yeah. And then add that on to the two. That's your parry. And that becomes the target number for someone hitting you in close combat. Yes. So if I've got a parry score of five, because you've got a D6 in fighting, then unlike a normal skill roll, which just always has a target number of four or better succeeds, now it's a five or better succeeds. Correct. Uh, and that does then also move up how much you need for a raise, because it's always four more than whatever the target number is. Yes. Uh, and then you also have toughness is your other score, which is two plus half of your vigor die uh-huh. plus any armor. And that is when you do damage in this game, you get, depending on if it's a melee or a ranged weapon, ranged weapons have a fixed dice that you roll for damage. Uh-huh. Melee is based on strength, strength plus. plus whatever the weapon is. Yes. Which is an interesting thing in this where it's like, oh, this gives you, a, like a longsword gives you a D8. Uh-huh. But if your strength is less than a D8, it only gives you whatever your strength is. So uh-huh. if I have a D6 strength and I use a longsword, then it's not a D6 plus a D8. It's 2D6. Yes. Because I can't get as much out of that as I could. Yeah. Also, but if I'm higher, if I got a D12, it's still just a D12 and a D8. In the base book, in all but one case, every weapon's uh, minimum strength requirement is also the damage die it does. So if it requires a D4, it does a D4. If it requires a D8, it does a D8, like a longsword. The one exception is the uh, obviously the noble and thousand-folded katana, which does a D8 plus one plus your strength die. Lol. Lol. <laughs> it's just a better sword, everybody. Uh, In this case, D&D and, and a bunch of other games, and now the fine folks, I think there's Shane Hensley and Clint Black are the authors of this one, all know it's the best sword. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and damage dice in this also explode. Yes. So if you roll the max die number on whatever your damage die is, that will also explode and you keep going because toughness is now the target number for you to deal damage. Yeah. So if I roll 2d6 and someone's got a toughness of 7 and I get a 7 or less, I don't do anything to them. Yeah. Now, but, this game doesn't just have a hit point system by which you are dealing that damage. And thank goodness, because some of these guns do a crap load of damage. Oh, yeah. But you need to not only get past their toughness, mm-hmm. you need to get, I think it's a full raise past the toughness in order to actually do damage. That's correct. Because if you get between the base number and four more, then all you're doing shaking. is shaking them. Yeah, they become shaken. But that said, shaken characters can't do anything except free actions and attempt to not be shaken. Yeah, you get a free roll yeah. to do it at the start of your turn to get out of being shaken. Uh-huh. But it also, if I am already shaken and someone attacks me and would just get a shaken, I will now take a wound because you can't just keep getting the shaken result over and over again. Yes. If you double up on it, they'll give you wounds. Exactly. And uh, how many wounds do you have? Why, every every wild card or player character 
has three before they go to incapacitated. So it's a brutal, it, it can be a very quick death game. Yeah, if someone manages to be like, all right, I roll my damage at you, and oh, I get exploding dice, and oh, I rolled real fucking well. I guess I just murder you then. Uh-huh. Then that can be sad. Yeah, but that's a- what bennies are for well, also there's an optional rule that's like hey if you don't want your characters to get one shot by a lucky goblin or whatever then yes you can you can make it so that they can only take a, a maximum of one wound per two uh, wounds or two wounds per round yeah it's just hey you can never be one shot yeah uh and quit trying to be one shot you'll <laughs> never be one shot <laughs> except for all the people who are currently auditioning to be the host of one shot you can you can, one of you will be one shot one of you can be the can be the new willy wonka huh? and the rest of you have to be james damato <laughs> unfortunately you will have to be james damato second place you get to be da- james damato <laughs> uh you won second place in a beauty contest <laughs> 10 bucks <laughs> uh yeah, and toughness works with armor where it just, you have a base toughness level, and then armor will just give you a bonus to that, so it'll be like, oh, I've got, you know, a standard level of armor, it gives me a plus two, so if my toughness was five, I go to seven, mm-hmm. but you always note how much is armor in there, Yeah, because if you have an armor-piercing thing, then you're like, Oh, normally your toughness is seven, but two of that is armor, so I'm rolling against toughness five instead on an armor piercing. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Benny's a second ago and the soak mechanic, but I, I cruelly and rudely interrupted you. To make a, a, a joke, and I get that. Uh, yeah. We're a joking podcast. We're, we're, it's, it's supposed to be a I'm not angry po- at you we or anything. just paraphrase I'm all not of quietly it. seething over here. <laughs> I'm not a life planning your own death. My own death? Yeah, your own death. <laughs> I'm glad you're not planning like the death of someone close to me either. That's that's no, that's, I would yeah. never. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's mostly you. You wouldn't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to murder myself. <laughs> that wouldn't hurt you at all. You don't care about me. Actually, it really would because I'd have a hard time uh, marketing the podcast. I'd get one really good like month of GoFundMe's. <laughs> one really. Oh, John. That's is, what I'm here for. Yeah, John, one good month of GoFundMe's. John, John, yeah, you'd probably get me through the rest of the year in rent on off a good GoFundMe. <laughs> Especially if you went out in a tragic fashion. Especially. I certainly have not spent many, many nights wor- wor- uh, thinking this out and trying running the numbers on it. Oh. The exact value of your death versus your continued podcasting. No. <laughs> Who would do that? That would be morbid. That would be disgusting and no one would like you for no, it. No one would ever. Uh, so, yes, you can spend bennies for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, when you get attacked and get damage you can attempt to soak uh so you can roll a soak roll to try and stop damage from happening soak roll is just your vigor again right you just roll your vigor die yeah and so the wild die so you do a vigor check yeah. and each success and raise reduces the number of wounds suffered by one yes so if you manage to get even one success you spend a benny you do a soak roll you can be like, okay, as long as I get a success, I'll drop it by one wound, mm-hmm. and for every raise, you'll drop it by another. So if someone does happen to go like, oh, I fucking one-shot you, that is a good time to spend a Benny on a soak roll, and also probably spend more to re-roll if you don't get good enough. Yes. Because you can spend uh, Bennies on re-rolling, and again, you can re-roll anything, including damage. Yeah. So if you roll and you're like, 
I got like two. This sucks. Fuck this. Yeah. There's also no particular limit to how often you can spend bennies on any one roll outside of the critical fail stop rolling effect. Uh, and, and that's part of the consistent. This book has very consistently good uh, DM, uh, GM advice throughout. Yeah. One of them is repeated a couple of times throughout the book is why you should hand out bennies all the time. And it's because if you give players lots of them, they'll spend them on lots of things and not just sit on them for soak rolls. Exactly. They're like, look, if you're handing out bennies all the time, players are going to be like, cool, I want to see if I re-roll that. Or one of the things you can spend it on is to just influence the story just introduce a fact to it yeah and your players if they know they're going to get a decent income of these will be like cool i want to spend this on fun stuff but if they know you are an absolute scrooge on this they're like great i have three i will hold three until i need it to not die and never spend it or until we're fighting the bbeg and if i still have any left i dump all of them into re-rolls on a damage roll to try and take them out yeah it's it is definitely a thing where they're like this the whole game is built on the ebb and flow of these. If you don't give them out, then it just becomes, okay, you have three chances to soak damage. I swear I heard ebb and flow is like a martial arts move from Exalted. Oh, yeah, I have the ebb and flow. Yeah. Anyway, um, the other beat of really good GM advice I wanted to single out in here as long as we're on that topic is uh, the section on how to run a horror game where it's like, hey, if you're worried that trying to run a horror game means you're supposed to, like, have the lights down low and your friends are all like, ooh, I'm actually scared of these events. You should probably recognize that that will never happen. Yeah. They're going to be sitting there making dumb jokes and stuffing pizza in their faces, and that's okay. If you have the buy-in, they will act like their character is scared, which is the actual point. You're not Sven You don't actually need to scare them. And Sven himself is no Sven He's not that scary. He's really more of a fun horror host. (laughs) Uh, now you also get, uh, in addition to all of your bennies that you can spend on your ridiculous nonsense, uh, you can use those to get a new, uh, a, well, you can get them to get more power points, which if you are any of the various powered things from this, whether it's a psychic or a wizard or a cleric or any of the various things that use power points, yep, the other two you can spend magic. one to get the five power points. Yeah, and magical inventor. Yeah, uh, or non-magical inventor, just a mad scientist. Oh yeah, although I don't, I believe weird science is the the fifth category. Does not it does allow you? Yeah, I guess you're right. You don't have to specifically be magical. Yeah, they could just be crazy science. Effects. Yeah, you can have weird science where you're like, oh, I made a death ray, or you can be like, I'm an artificer from a fantasy setting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it also allows you to draw a new action card, which gets us to the initiative for this game, which uses a deck of playing cards, which is so weird to be like, here's an entire game based around the standard polyhedral dice. There is one, technically two things that care about a deck of cards. There's a few things. I feel like this is another thing that's in the edges that I felt like it was an underserved piece of the game. The, the, it uses... A deck of cards, that's clever. I I like that. It's a nice thematic thing that you can deal out cards. It does make it so that you don't really have a way to mess with initiative in this game. There, I didn't see any edges that were like... Oh, yeah. You can get edges that are like draw two and, and pick. Pick the one you want, that kind of thing. But there's a single one, I forget what it's called, but it's basically like you like to go slow in the initiative order because it lets you be observant. 
And if you draw, if the card that's your uh, card drawn for the turn is a five or lower, then you can ignore a, a penalty being applied to you for any reason, like an environmental penalty or wound penalty or something, because you're taking the time yeah, to get you're deliberate. It. You're deliberate. And, but it's the only one that works like that. And I was like, that. it feels like there should have been a few more. I think there might be one that works if you... The game uses both jokers. They're yes. initiative cards as well. Uh, and the, if you roll the, if you draw a joker, then yeah, you're going first. And I yeah, think there's well, a few no, other... If you get a joker, you can go whenever you want yeah. during initiative. Yeah. And it automatically gives you, I think, a Benny for getting the joker. It gives everybody in your party a Benny. Yeah. So it's super great if you can get it. And it means that even some of the drawbacks... Because there's a drawback that's like, oh, you draw two and always take the worst of the initiative. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is only a minor hindrance instead of a major one because it means you have a better chance of drawing the Joker too. And you can always take the Joker when you draw two. Yeah, but I like that deliberate effect. I was kind of hoping to see a few more things that worked like it. There are other edges that interact with the card system. They usually just grant you another card, whether it's for yourself or... Uh, a lot of the leadership ones are like you get extra cards you can hand out to the people that are reporting to you. Yeah, the, the your ally your ally extras that are working under you you can give them initiative cards. Mm -hmm. So so that's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, like, like I what we mentioned a second ago, it does use the jokers. Uh, the it, and it works from descending order. So you want so king high, ace high, ace high. Sorry, I forgot ace was even there. Yeah, ace high. Uh, and then and also then suit order in suit order, which was the part I was about to bring up that that. I never could fucking remember the suit order. I don't play enough poker for that. It's reverse alphabetical. Oh, how nice to know. Yeah. Spades, hearts, diamonds, clubs. Okay. I don't know why, it's, but that's... Know, it's a useful mnemonic or whatever you say, device. Mnemonic device. Mnemonic. Mnemonic. There's so <laughs> Johnny many and ends. Johnny mnemonic. Johnny mnemonic. Johnny mnemonic. Oh, man. That's my character for the bonus content. Johnny mnemonic. <laughs> I'm tiny. I'm a tiny little hacker, and I get in your computer. <laughs> I ride a dolphin. He's Johnny a giant mnemonic. to me. Johnny mnemonic. I'm even more scared of Rutger Hauer Street Preacher than a regular-sized Johnny. <laughs> Johnny! <laughs> also, Ice-T was in that movie. <laughs> so you get, uh, you know, during a round, you'll usually get an action, and you can move a little. Mm -hmm. You move around a little. Yeah. Like, up to your pace or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and there is multi-action. You can t Every character can just take up to three actions a turn if they want to. Uh, but for each one, you're taking a cumulative additional minus two to all of your actions because you have to declare them at the start. Yeah. So unless you've got either uh, like an edge that gives you a plus two that can offset that or your dice is like a D10 or D12. Or D4. No, because that's terrible. If you're, you, even if you explode, you're like, I got a four and then a one, a five. No, I got a three. I, I guess that's fair. Although you can, I, I mean, I'm just saying you can crit fish. You're 25%. You have a one in eight chance of getting an eight. Or, I'm sorry, if you get an eight, you automatically get a nine at very least. Yeah. At which point you succeed at the thing. So, yeah, might as well. Might as well spray and pray if you're like a D4 in shooting and you're taking three shots in the round. Hey, man, a quarter of the time, a quarter of the time, you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to maybe getting a hit. Who knows? Oh. Uh, let's see. What else is in this game? Oh, just stuff. Oh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, effects that can go on you. So there's we so mentioned many. Shaken. Yeah. Uh, if you essentially don't take damage, actually, if you ever take damage, because even if you get over the Shaken result, you're still Shaken and wounded. Yeah. Uh, but you have to make a spirit roll, 
as a free action. If you do, great. You're not shaking anymore. Otherwise, you just do free actions. Uh Uh-huh. There is an entire critical injury table if you get super messed up. Yes. Because uh, you can get, like, incapacitated, and if you critically fail on trying to stabilize yourself, then maybe you get, like, oh... You got gusted, bu- gusted, busted guts, and you're like, ah, my strength gets reduced by a die type. Mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Uh, yeah, there's about a million different effects, but uh, you'd expect them to be like basically. If you picture things you would want to find in a uh, do anything type game, like like a, like a catch all toolbox game like this, you're likely to find it in here. Are there chase rules? Yes. Are there rules for for controlling allies? Yes. Are there mass battle rules? Absolutely. Is there a spell book? Yes. Um, everything has extra levers attached to it that you can move around in various ways. Like almost all the spells can, can now affect multiple targets or can be hindered by making it so they only work on yourself or the only work as a touch action. Oh yeah. And I, I really do need to call out the chase rules in here. Cause I will say every single time we read an RPG and they're like, and here's the section on vehicles. My eyes immediately glaze over and I go, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I got like dictating membranes specifically to prevent me from accidentally reading car chases. It's wild that every time they're like, all right, and here's an entirely new system and nothing works the way it did before. And they do that in this, but I don't care because it's visually fine. Yeah. They're like, all right, take take the deck, put like nine cards out, put whoever is in front on one of these cards in the front put whoever's chasing them back however many cards you can do an an action that's moving forward you can do an action that's trying to hit a guy if you're within range if you hit a guy you can try and bump him back like it's another can, way to use the deck that's nice yeah i was like oh that's neat mm-hmm. and it gives you a visual representation on the board of doing a chase yeah without having to be like oh i move 6 inches and then you move 6 inches and we just sort of trail around and it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. with this like no we abstract that and just put it as an abstracted card distance and you move back and forth and that's nice yeah i mean i i I liked it fine as far as those things go i still don't think it stands up to my basic rule that i always use when i need to oppose a chase in a game which is use uh ninja turtles in time sewer surfing rules all of your moves work as normal. It's just a fight in the sky. If you really want to worry about uh, about things like trying to kick their car out from under them or whatever, that's just stunting. Your DM will manage it. You don't need to read the 30-page part of the book that just covers that. I mean, that was one of the nice things is they were like, are you within range? Like, if you have a melee attack and you're on the same card, great, melee attack that motherfucker. Yeah, it's fine. If you have a ranged attack, all right, does it go two cards? You shoot that motherfucker. Yeah. The but only it still thing has it changes all those penalties and shit that are applied for like how fast you're traveling and where you are relative to them. Not really. I mean, it's got like if you're far enough back because all weapons have range. Yeah, it would be the same as if you were back them back far enough and standing still. Oh, was, okay. I thought I thought I saw one of those like if you're moving super fast, you get a moving super fast penalty, and I'm like, that's boring. I mean, that just makes the fight last longer. There is if. Like, if I'm standing still and someone else is going 60 miles per hour, yeah, I've got a minus one to hit them because they're going fast. That's fair. But if we're both like, yeah, we're within a few miles per hour of each other in chasing, then it doesn't matter. But what you do get is things where it's like, oh, I can 
like hit you and if I get a raise I can use it to either bump you forward or backward. Mm-hmm. So you can either like, oh, I'll bring you in closer or be like, oh, my gun works at this range and so does yours. I'll bump you forward so you can't shoot me. Yeah. So it's it's got some interesting things to it. Yeah. Again, it is an entirely separate different system. It always is. That's the problem with these chase rules. Yeah, I just I appreciate the visual component to it, but God, everyone just wants to create an entirely new game for chase rules. Uh-huh. Uh, I would also like to call out the advice about uh, how to create extras and put them into your game, uh-huh. which is do not build them. Do yep. not use these rules to build them. That will take forever and no one will ever care. Yeah, no one gives a shit about what skills they have a D6 versus a D4 in. Just give them whatever dice you think they are likely to roll in whatever things. Don't worry about prerequisites. Don't worry about uh, how many, like, what, how start, strong they are. If, if you, all you care about is their brawl die, just give them the brawl die. Yeah. It, it's, if, it makes if you it got faster. guys that want to run out and punch at Batman, I don't care if they are actually got, like, they're working on their doctorate in social science. Mm-hmm. No one gives a fuck. See if he punches Batman. Yeah. I like that the monster creation tools start with monster creation tools that are very comprehensive before they move on to the list of monsters instead of being the other way around where there's a list of monsters that very strongly informs what kind of game this is and then ends with a one-page thoughts for people who'd like to make monsters that is ultimately useless. It's it's quite nice. Uh, it does fumble the landing on having a poison rule that specifically applies exclusively to Venom but uh, not the character venom. But, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. No, nah, you can only you can't only Weird. poison venom. Yeah, <laughs> poison or, rules only for venom. Yeah, you only, know, fire or sound. <laughs> only venom can listen to the band Poison. Ah, <laughs> uh, that girl is poison. <laughs> <laughs> only venom may Bell Biv of Debo- Devoe. <laughs> no, I meant to say that they use the word. Uh, they, they say poison. Some animals have a poisonous venom they can inject into you. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, poisonous venom yeah. sounds extra dangerous. Some people do have a poisonous venom. That yeah. is true. That is true. <laughs> it should have just been called venom. <laughs> Unless you want it to be that some an- some monsters you fight, you should not there- thereafter eat. Yeah, some monsters will inject you with venom and also are poisonous. Yeah. <laughs> if you drink their venom, that's also bad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not. it's super not important. I just, every time I see that, it, it makes me laugh. Uh, they have an entire thing in here for, like, dramatic tasks if you're trying to set up, like, multiple roles. Yeah. So if you're like, oh, you need to defuse a bomb, then you might be like, okay, you need to get, like, six total successes over four rounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the first two successes might be, you need to remove the casing for the bomb, and that's going to be, like an agility test based on mechanics. But once you get in there, then it's going to be a test based on like smarts on, uh, you know, I don't know, electronics or some shit. Sure. So it might be different for whatever you're doing, but also in the system, like, you know, we generally put more successes than you have rounds to do it because we assume you'll be getting, you know, raises or raises that count for more. But also if it's, Diffuse a bomb, and if you don't, you die. Maybe don't put that in your game. Yeah, another bit of good advice. Yeah, they're like, oh, if it comes down to it, and they're like, oh, you didn't do it in time, then the characters run away because they realize they can't. Please don't murder your PCs because they rolled poorly. Yeah, right around there, there's also a section I appreciated for social combat. Yep. 
uh, where the social combat mechanic is not just both of you roll a social skill and whoever gets more raises or whatever wins. There's like a whole secondary mechanic where you're counting a number of points you get over a three round uh, kind of debate structure. Yeah. And then you compare your finished value to a, a list of how many tokens did you get from this? You get the following effect, which is an easily interpreted thing that you can slot into another game. Like, oh, they, they're convinced, but they're going to require something from you in exchange, that kind of thing. Yes. So that's that's nice. Yeah. And like I said, they've got a ton of rules you can slot in if you want uh, healing to be better in this because they do baseline assume very slow natural healing they and do. also they have a golden hour a, yeah if you don't get to someone's wound within the hour that they took it you're not going to help them they'll just have to heal normally yeah and they're like look man if you're in a fucking fantasy setting and you want some cleric to come up and be like yeah it's fine whatever i don't care yeah i'll heal you or you're in an action movie type setting and you're like yeah you got a bullet to the shoulder you're gonna be fine in an hour don't worry about it there's rules for that. Yeah. There's also rules for fuck you, grittier damage. Yes. Which uh, really shows how little I like that that model. Yeah. I was like, oh, neat, fast healing. What a good rule. Gritty damage. No. Ah, boo. <laughs> no, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. There's all kinds of interesting sub rules you could add in, and every every ad- uh, game that you buy that attaches to this will presumably add more. I don't know. I only have one additional game that gets attached to this. Yeah, and we're definitely going to read it. We are, yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're near the end of the episode. I can say that that we're doing this as a, as a weird two-parter because uh, next week we're going to be discussing the Rifts but Savage Worlds game. The Rifts but? Yeah, Rifts but. Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have it, I've been wanting to talk about it for forever, and I think it's kind of fun, and it really does layer on a ton of stuff over this. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we just wanted to get some groundwork down for people rather than trying to explain a game and a whole second game that lies on top of that game and then moves around a little. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the thing is, you kind of have to have a lot of extra shit because even the supernatural, like, magic and psychic and whatever powers you can get in this, they say right up front, they're like, look, if you're running a superheroes game, maybe get the superheroes book because these are very basic you know, low-level powers. Yes. You know, you can be like, oh, I've got some effects. I can shoot like a firebolt at someone, maybe. But they're like, we don't have the effects in the core book to really simulate the kind of wild shit you would get up to in, like, a superhero game or Rifts, which is absolutely the most wild shit you can get up to. Yes, absolutely. So... So uh, I don't want to get too far into that because we gotta we got to fill a whole other episode with it later. But for now, we're just going to go into our favorites and least favorites. Sure so thing. let me just start by asking you what your favorite thing about Adventure Edition Savage Worlds is. I like the simplicity of the wild die. And like I had mentioned earlier, the fact that it once you know the percentage math, yeah. you're like, oh, I don't need to put, I don't have to feel like, Oh, if I don't push something to a D10, I'm going to suck at it. Like, no, man, if you get to a D6, you're solid, and a D8 is great. Yes. And anything past that is just gravy. Yeah. So. Delicious gravy, though. mm, Sweet, delicious gravy. Not that white pepper gravy that goes on the biscuits. You get that biscuits gravy. Mm, Biscuit gravy. Uh, And I, I appreciate that even at a D4, the lowest you can do if you've got anything in it is like, 
yeah, you're still at like a 63% chance. No matter what, you are better than a 50-50. Yeah. Like, that is great. I appreciate that. So, the I fact believe- that... Oh, no, you're right. 63% the lowest. Yeah, you're, yep. right. you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I know. I you did are, the math. You're 100% right. I, 63% of the time, you're 100% right. Yep, that's probably accurate, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the fact that the game is like, look, you're a hero. The worst thing that you do should still be pretty good. Yeah. Because it's something you do. If you put any points into it, even if it's just one point and you have a D4, you should still probably be able to succeed at it most of the time. Yeah. So I like the math on this being like, yeah, dude, go for it. It fucking rules. Yeah. And then there's still, as you mentioned, a reason to go higher for not just the little percentage points, but it's harder to crit fail. Yes. Also, when you enter into a game where you're fighting against other badass characters, they're going to be imposing a lot of penalties on you. And so that's going to become the new game and having that buffer will help. It's, it is nice. I like it. It's a good baseline die roll system. All right. What is your favorite thing? Uh, I think my favorite thing, I mean, the wild die would probably have been my favorite thing as well, but moving aside from that, I think my favorite thing here is going to be, uh, basically something we barely got into, which is species and species construction. Oh yeah. There's huge rules for making your own species in this. Yes. I thought it was well done. Uh, it keeps a good balance and the characters do come out feeling interesting, uh, they use the old, like, skills and powers D&D model of, like, you, if you take a hindrance, it gives you two points, and you can spend those two points to buy a benefit and so on. But none of their hindrances are useless, like, things that you could just skip right over and ignore. And the benefits add up fairly nicely as well. The examples they have in the book are also nicely generic. You have, like, wing people, lizard guy, You got elf, guy. dwarf. Yeah, the basics. Android. They're fine. And they, they straight up tell you, like, hey, if there's something wrong with our Android, change it. You know the the math we use to make it. You can go ahead and mess with it. Like, their Android has the Asimov's rules of robotics inbuilt to it, so it can't attack people. Yeah, and they're like, if you think that's bad, don't do it. Here are all of the rules for it. Exactly. So I like that. I think it's a, it's a well-done way to let people build all of their crazy species and to provide a template for future game designers who are working in this engine to do the same. Plus, it also gives you, if you're, say... In a setting that's like, no, this is all humans, you can do it as, like, regional things. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, no, everyone that is from this area automatically has this sort of ability so that you can differentiate, like, ah, uh, yeah, if you're living in this kingdom, then baseline, everybody gets magical ability because it's a magic kingdom. Yeah, I Great. actually, I did that exactly for my bonus content character, which we'll get into in, in the bonus content. Uh, what would you say? In the your... bonus content? Where would you possibly find <laughs> bonus content? In the plugs that we're going to do in a minute. I mean, just kidding. We do it now. It's at patreon.com slash systemmastery, where if you support us at even the $2 paltry level, you'll unlock ad-free versions of all of our shows that normally have ads on them, uh, unless they're these cool announcement mastery ones like we just did. Those go forever. Uh, but also you will get the bonus content for System Mastery, where we make characters in the engine we just reviewed for a bit of a deeper dive. That's right. Uh, We've done it for hundreds of games. So many characters. So if you want to hear podcasts that will last you half a lifetime of some kind of short-lived animal, then then by all means, uh, go support us on the Patreon for just hours of content to get you through your boring work days, because all of our shows have bonus content, and lots of them have had bonus content for years. Uh There is a rich 
treasure trove of content available to you at the two, four, and ten dollar levels at patreon.com slash system mastery. John, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this game? Uh I think the I don't know particularly if it's terrible, mm-hmm. but the It is. It is. Mm-hmm. The game the game. The, the game, game the is terrible. The whole game it's is awful. terrible. The whole thing We've sucks. been talking very nicely about it this whole time, but it frankly sucks. And <laughs> frankly, it sucks. And here's why we're not gonna explain why. Uh I would say the the edges system in this mm-hmm. feel I mean, I mentioned it before, it feels bad to have a million options that you can only pick one or two of. And I mean the fact that you're like, oh, you could have three. I go, yeah, but then you're not spending your points on skills or attributes or any of the other things you can spend it on. Yeah. And it just, having a character in mind, especially if you're like, I have a character that's sort of supernatural in some way. Because if you're like, oh, I want them to be. Like he's got a hot brother and they have a weird bond. I've got a cool car and I drive around. Uh huh. But if you're like, oh, I'm a mad scientist, like, well, you need to have the mad scientist background as one of your picks. Yeah. And then, of course, you'll probably want to get more powers for it as a pick and maybe even more power points to spend on those powers. And that's all of your edges and you can't do anything else. Yeah, and you're, and you're bad at skills now. It's So it's kind of a bummer. The, the starting character, I mean, this is a pretty common worst complaint is starting character to starting. Yeah. And it goes along with my favorite thing of like, yeah, the starting character doesn't have a lot, but at least you're semi-competent even without putting a ton of points into stuff. Yeah. But even then, it just feels bad to look at all these things and go, ooh, I should have these for my character. I can't. I've got to wait until I get some advances to kind of get some of these. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a bit of a gating problem that even then can be solved if you just go, hey, GM, can we start at like two advances just so I can have a couple extra things? Yeah. So, yeah, I would say the baseline complaint is there's too much good stuff. It's AMPM in this book. <laughs> there's too much Tomgus in this book. <laughs> this book's got Tomgus, and it terrifies me. <laughs> that thing is made of food. <laughs> that thing will destroy God me. God did not make Tomgus. <laughs> no, God is afraid of Tomgus. <laughs> that should be AMPM's new campaign. <laughs> AMPM. Too much Tomgus. God's afraid to enter. <laughs> God's not welcome here because of Tomgus. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's my least favorite. What is yours? Uh, I would be very inclined to agree with you here. I, I think that the game definitely doesn't start you out strong enough, and I, I feel like that's kind of a problem. What I am going to pick is the uh, super low defense values, unless your character is really optimized for defense. Make it so that this game is very... like. Not rocket taggy, but it feels like you're almost always going to hit and almost always going to be hit. And you don't have a whole lot of resistance to it unless you're playing a character who is invested extremely heavily in vigor and armor and the ability to wear armor and all that. Uh, it, It feels like because of how easy it is to at least shake somebody, let alone wound somebody, a lot of the game is powered by initiative. If you go first, you shake somebody and then you have a solid chance they don't break out of that shake. I mean, not really, unless they dumped vigor. Because mm-hmm. even at a D4 Vigor, you're still looking at a 63% chance to shake out of getting shaken. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a decent chance at the start of your turn to be like, nah, I'm good. 
Uh, to me, it's just one of those games where, yeah, you can get out of it and you have the soak mechanic, but that's just a way to eat up bennies. I mean, they're, it's literally called soak, and it sounds like it's supposed to be soak damage, but to me, it's soak bennies. That's what I hear when I see that. Um, and then only three wounds per and character. And you can also spend a benny to just immediately end and shaken. Shake. You can always buy your way out of shaken with a, with a benny. Uh, I just worry that it, it's a game that is relying too heavily on the benny mechanic to keep the mechanics functional of combat without it becoming, you know, whoever goes first has a reasonable chance to immediately inflict a wound. Wounds inflict sta- or uh, stacking penalties to both pace and your accuracy and so on. See, whereas I was like, if you invest even remotely in any sort of fighting or whatever, you're very difficult because baseline, like parry, is better than the TN of four. So you're already harder than doing a normal success. Yes, but we've already established that the TN of four is shockingly low and it makes everyone look like a cool badass uh, when they're accomplishing anything but combat. But even combat, having a TN of like five is still, you're going to hit that pretty often. I'm just saying, I, I, I don't know it necessarily off the top of my head yet. I'm just a little worried that it looks like the math makes it so that shooting first is much more important than shooting at all. Whereas when I, I had the exact same or exact opposite thing of this, where I was looking at it going like, man, if you have any armor and vigor at all and your toughness is good, you're just like, no, fuck you. I guess me. that's fair. I did make a character that's like an investigative reporter. So I was like, well, it doesn't really make any sense for me to put this character in armor. I invested in basic fighting skills, so I will at least be able to fight off a, a thugs a little bit, but not much. No, I mean, if you're like, hey, I'm I'm not a fighter. I'm just some guy. Yeah, you're going to get fucking murked by a dude that's how that works except that you're not ever just some guy in this game well even then i'm like okay baseline you're like, i didn't argue with your bullshit this much <laughs> fuck hey, off hey it's because my bullshit was 63 percent of the time 100 percent right <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying it's weird to me because i had the opposite reaction of looking at the numbers and going oh it's so much more difficult to do things in combat than outside of combat uh-huh so uh it's yeah. possible yeah your your least favorite thing was completely invalid as well <laughs> eat, eat a dick your lived experiences are irrelevant i didn't say it was irrelevant i said my lived experience is different from yours <laughs> eat my asshole uno reverse <laughs> skip well, it's a two-player game so it's the same fucking card <laughs> Whew. hey man what's up chicken sandwiches <laughs> You can get a chicken sandwich. Let's go get some chicken sandwiches. Let's go get a chicken sandwich. I'm gonna put some salsa on a chicken sandwich. <laughs> All right. Uh, would you play this? Oh, I definitely play Savage Worlds. It's a game that I have thought about playing before. Okay. I'm like, oh, this is neat. I've certainly planned on it before. I own both editions of the Rifts release for this, so I have lots of stuff. So much stuff. Yeah. Love that so, Joker. Yeah. So you'd play this though? Yeah, I'd play this. Yeah. Would you play this? Sure. Yeah, I probably would. I. I think if I were to pick out any other thing, based on just nothing but re- having read the Rifts books a bunch of times, it's got the same problem for me that I've seen in, for example, uh, the War Machine role-playing game, Iron Kingdoms, mm-hmm. that you pretty much are going to do the same thing every turn. Whatever your one move is that you're good at, unless your character has a reason why they can't, like, for example, they run out of power points or something, you'd be like, oh, well, the best I am is I have two guns and I shoot them. Yeah. Like, so every turn I take my two guns and I shoot them. Like, I know that's just me being poisoned by fourth edition D&D where every turn you're going to do something cool and different. Ah. Uh, I, I know that's that's my problem, uh, but it is an easily overcome problem because I would probably play this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every game is like, I what know. is it that you do? Uh, I shoot people. Well, then I guess you do that every turn. Yeah. 
The, the difference is if there's a lot of ways to shoot people or a lot of interesting things that shooting people can accomplish, ah. which is a thing. Like, yeah, in 4th edition, the D&D Ranger shoots people. And yet, they have like 5,000 powers that are all shooting people, and they're all interesting and different. And none of them are as good as Twin Strike. The <laughs> Ranger so is just a terrible that example. Turn. You fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I caught it. <laughs> I'm writing this ship. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. We both play the game, and we both are, and we did already do the Patreon pitch. That's right. So hey, instead, I could pref- definitely mention that we have a new uh, product coming out in like six days. We have so much product, you'd think that we were a salon with all the product we're putting out, <laughs> and that you quietly reject at the end of every haircut. You're like, no, no, I'm good. Do you want any product? I, I product any, in there? Do you do you keep product in your hair? Let me look. Let me show you this tea tree oil. Whereas I'm like. Oh, yeah, I never put product in my hair. Please put some in. Yep. That's great. It's going to be cool for me to have that for the day and like, then yeah, wash like it out and never do it. Three or four more hours, exactly. But no, but we don't have a tea tree oil coming out. We have a tarot card deck. Mmm, tarot uh, cards. Our brand new tarot deck, uh, Rider weight themed Dungeons and Dragons-ish adjacent. I mean, fantasy and- role-playing game adjacent. Fantasy RPG themed Rider weight style. There you go. There you go. That works. And uh, available on, uh, wherever you fo- you buy fine books, except Southern California game stores, uh, for the uh, low, low price of twenty four ninety nine. I'm assured by tarot card people that that is a low price. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I, I, I had no idea. I had no basis for comparison. I knew I'm, how to... How, my, my contribution to knowing how to do a tarot deck is I know how to write the D&D jokes. Yeah. Whereas I was like, no, I know how to do tarot. I've done tarot readings. Yeah. I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. And... Yeah, considering that most tarot decks are fairly expensive or they are just the major arcana, the fact that this is a full minor and major... 78 cards. It is it is a good-ass deal. And mm-hmm. you get our book that we wrote in it for the little guidebook, and it gives you options for using it in-game and stuff. Yeah, incorporate it into your RPG games and just own it because it's a cool piece of, uh, of neat... RPG just own it because it's something that'll give us money. And- oh, yeah. It's, it's our most expensive product, I'm pretty sure. We get a good chunk of royalty <laughs> off of this bad boy. It is our most reasonably priced tarot deck. Oh, you're right. It's our most reasonably priced pr- tarot deck. We have none that are more expensive than this one. Indeed. It is our lowest priced tarot deck available. You will find no other tarot deck mm. cheaper than this that we make. It's the house tarot deck. <laughs> I'll have the house tarot. Very good. <laughs> Very good, sir. An excellent choice. Mm, you can have our most house of wines. <laughs> I'll have your house wine. Very good. An excellent choice. Would you like that in a shoe? <laughs> you fucking scamp. Ah, uh, yes. The house wine. I'll need you to trade in your box of high C ecto cooler as collateral. Would you like to pay that in box tops or bottle caps, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Will you be trading a baseball card? <laughs> Ah, uh, that's right. Anyone who orders the house wine is an absolute dis- <laughs> terrible person. We don't like you. I mean, except for the one person I know who has ever ordered house wine ever, uh, because I heard a story about them having done it fairly recently. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're also a degenerate. We don't like you. We lo- we love we love Alex. She's our dog ex- correspondent. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you again real soon with yet more exciting System Mastery content, especially over there in that bonus content for you Patreon supporters. And until then, have a good week. Uh